It's Amy's Table, a girl's guide to living with Amy Tobin on Q102. Pull up a chair and join us. What happens when you give a plant a polygraph test? Can a flower really turn a human into a zombie? What gives the ginkgo tree its stink? We're going to get the answers to all of these questions from the author of The Big Bad Book of Botany, Michael Largo. He's joining me today on Amy's Table. Hello, Michael. How are you? Hi. Hello. What a crazy, exciting, interesting book. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and I just have to ask, how did you get into the idea of The Big Bad Book of Botany? Have you always been intrigued by plant life? Oh, sure. Yeah. I've, you know, I... Back in the uh, college days, I was an, an, a nature guide for a cons- conserva- conservation center. Oh. So I've, I've always felt that if you walk into a forest or a woods or wherever, it's similar to like walking into a room full of people. If you don't know their names, you're a little uncomfortable. So by knowing the names of the trees and the flora that you see in front of you and their history, it becomes a more intimate and more enjoyable experience. Very well put. That's uh, That's a... Good way to think about it and very interesting to me. Well, I have to ask you, because I teased with those questions in the beginning, what does happen when you give a plant a polygraph test? Yeah, well, there's some some science, I guess it's kind of quote-unquote pseudoscience, that they try try to see how plants do, if they do in fact communicate. Nowadays, they're they're doing some more intensive um, tests, but this polygraph uh, test was done a while ago in the 60s, and um, they put a a polygraph, uh, polygraph uh, uh, nodes on two different plants uh, that were in the same room, and they had a group of men walk into the room and harm one plant, pull a leaf off or whatever. Um, the other plant that wasn't being harmed also reacted violently. Its polygraph signals. Oh changed. wow! So when the 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 men left the room, they waited as a control. They went back into the room. And the person who harmed the first plant, when he entered, the other plant seemed to have a, let's put quote-unquote, memory of this individual's energy being negative, and that, again, without a plant even being touched, the other plant started reacting on the polygraph. So that was the first indication of the first early test to try to show that plants exist in a way that we don't even understand. They have obviously no brains or eyes or nervous systems as we know it, but they do react to a stimuli in a way that we're still um, just scratching the surface of. Yeah, well, even when you think of a sunflower, you know what I mean, turning so miraculously to follow the sun and things like that, that is very cool. I'm glad that you answered that question. Well, now I hope you have a more reassuring answer to can a flower really turn a human into a zombie. Please say no. (laughs) <laughs> well, there's a, you know, there's a plant called the devil's breath, and it pretty much grows in the uh, tropics of uh, the central part of South America and in some of the islands, uh, Caribbean islands. Uh, and it does have a particular chemical in it, an alkaloid, that um, when it made into a concoction, uh, this particular plant will basically wipe out or block the cognitive ability of humans to think. Um, the name of the actual drug is uh, scopoplane, which is inside of the plant. That's most plants are biochemical magic. You know, they all have some some kind of combination. Right. And this particular plant um, does do that. So I mean, it's temporarily zombied, but you, I mean, you know, the quote unquote, you would be not 
you wouldn't know what you know who the president of the United States was. <laughs> you wouldn't start walking with your arms out in front of you, craving human flesh. <laughs> well, interestingly, you know, you you talk about that being a, a drug. Most medicines are plant based, aren't they? And and many oh, people, really? yeah. Right. I mean, you know, we live in an age of pharmacology, but pretty much it all started with, you know, learning, trying to imitate or trying to duplicate the various benefits that certain plants had. Mm-hmm. Now, before, before our modern times, the person who knew about this and, you know, in our early ancestries, the different groups of people, the shaman or the medicine woman or the medicine man, had knowledge of particular plants in the regions and knew which part of the plant would aid or uh, for various ailments. And that person was treated, I don't know what you would say now, but that person was definitely taken along with them wherever they went. Sure. That, he, he, was the, he was the doctor. He was the pharmacist. He was everything. Sure. Uh, or, that, or she. And um, that, we tried to duplicate that. And, you know, the earliest books about botany or plants in general were from the, about 1100 B.C. in India. And most of them, the Greeks followed that. But most of them were about not so much, you know, what the plant was for food or its beauty, but what the medicines, what medicine it would cure. Um, Hippocrates, for example, mentioned licorice, and, and most people ignored that for 2,000 years as being beneficial to, to, for certain things, and, you know, candy was made out of it because it has so much sucrose. Um, but it's now recently uh, that old knowledge is catching up where there's some tests being done that the particular glycerin in, in the licorice plant uh, actually does, you know, in tremendous help in, with people with uh, various hepatitic or liver diseases. Hmm. Uh, and they're using that as in lieu of, you know, these kind of drugs that would, you know, kill you more than cure you. you know, so. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting as I go through the book, which is an alphabetic sort of, com- you know, uh, listing, which is a very good way to do it. Absent, absent, of course, is in, um, oh my gosh, why am I forgetting the name of the liquor? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, that's the name of the liquor. You know, it the, is the uh, name of the liquor. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's the right. Liquor. Yeah, and it comes from the wormwood plant. And people thought uh, the wormwood plant was really hallucinogenic, and that's why we couldn't have it in the U.S. Is that true? Well, there is some, uh, you know, certain hallucinogenic property, property uh, a, a thermogen, which is a, has a very, very slight hallucinogenic properties. But here's an example of where, you know, the earliest earliest people would not, re- they would refuse to let any plant not find a purpose for, you know, and it comes from the wormwood, which even in the in the uh, in the Old Testament they mention it as the most bitterest plant. It's you know, became metaphorically synonymous with bitter. They couldn't find a way to use this plant uh, and until they finally made a concoction of the roots uh, mixed with nutmeg and some other things to come up with this formula for uh, absinthe, with, um, which is a green liqueur. Uh, and um, that became the rage in the 1800s. Uh, Pernod, the you know with that the uh, vodka maker now mm-hmm. bought bought it and made the first distillery, and we guess we can thank that plant or its its intoxicating properties for some of the greatest art. Van Gogh uh, painted Starry Starry Night, probably one of the most famous paintings in the world, uh, coming off um, you know a rage of um, absence. Oh, interesting, <laughs> you know, interesting. So, 
his teeth were green because of the green liqueur. I mean, probably looked pretty weird with a green teeth. Oh, those artist types. (laughs) If you're just joining us, we're speaking with Michael Largo about his latest book, The Big Bad Book of Botany. Well, you know, I often say when I look at certain vegetables, for example, the artichoke, you know, who was the first guy who said, "Mm, I'm going to taste some of that, you know, (laughs) and you wonder, but but I so many plants are like that, you know, so long, like even the carrot, they thought the root of the plant was worthless. Uh, oh, funny. And that only only the leaves were used in 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 um, in, in you know in, in uh, uh, cuisine. So um, so many plants have particular histories like that. Is you know, like the broccoli plant, for example, uh, which is really no wild derivative of that plant. Um, it's history. When you cut a piece of broccoli, and you know how how much nutrients it has and how flavorful it can be. But the history of it, it goes back to pre-Roman times, to these, these group of uh, uh, people called the Etruscans, who, who were the first kind of real ones to try to use agriculture in a way to manipulate, not just gather food. And um, they kept breeding their various forms of cabbage until they come up with the broccoli that we have today. You know, so, oh, interesting. Um, yeah, so, so the, you know, it's interesting when you look at all these different plants, uh, you know, that you're cooking with, uh, you know, the eggplant uh, is probably one of the first cultivated um, plant, uh, wild plants um, in, you know, in the whole line of foods, and that was in India, where they cultivated it, you know, predominantly for, for you know, agriculture. Uh, most of it was hunting, hunting, and, you know, they would gather foods right. there, but that was one of the first original plants that was used in cuisine. And we still enjoy it to this day. You know, that is so interesting. The tagline of the book is the world's most fascinating flora. And I've got to say, I agree. <laughs> it really is fascinating flora. And, and this is a really interesting book. Be great for a food lover, a plant lover, or just a lover of, I'm going to say it, don't be offended, Michael, trivia. You know, I mean, That's really, exactly there's right. you, you thumb through this and odds are good you're going to be on the winning team of Trivial Pursuit. <laughs> but really interesting stuff, and I appreciate your sharing the stories today. I, of course, will put a link on amy-tobin.com, but you can also find more information on Michael at michaellargo.com. And again, the book is The Big Bad Book of Botany. Michael Largo, thank you so much for joining us thank today. You. Thanks for listening to Amy's Table, a girl's guide to living with Amy Tobin on Q102. For more, visit Amy's blog with Q102 online at WKRQ.com. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa. With over 50 years of sports betting experience, Fred is known in the U.K. for three things. Customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.